before was like, I've got these four cassette tapes or what's on TV actually, mm -hmm. that's all I'm gonna be able to choose from. Yeah. Right now it's like, you have everything that was ever made yeah. at your disposal, choose. Welcome back to the podcast. You're listening to Let It Out with me, your host, Katie Dalebout. I hope you had a great holiday season and Happy New Year. It's 2019. You can expect many great guests and new themes and topics and even new formats on this podcast. Let It Out. There's going to be a big Let It Out launch this spring. But for today, I thought we would ease into this new season with a discussion about art, art that's meaningful to us. My friend Brianna is an NYU student and she had to make a podcast for one of her media classes at NYU. She's in Gallatin, that really cool, basically make your own major. I wish I did that. It's very cool. Anyway, she came up with the best concept for a show. It's called The Art That's Made You. And she'll talk about this in a second. And I was so honored that she asked me to be her first guest. So in today's episode, you'll hear about the art that's made me, what I grew up with and what I'm liking today. And, you know, some of you guys often ask to hear more about me, your host, well, here you go. This interview is very, very me heavy. <laughs> and for those of you who already think there's too much of me on this podcast, don't worry. Next week, no more solo episodes, at least for a while. You're going to have a brand new interview, a lot of great guests coming up this season, and I can't wait for you to hear them. So stick around. And if you're in New York City, I'm doing a live podcast taping next Monday, January 21st at The Assemblage in New York City with Erin Clare. She is a human design reader. And many of you liked my previous episode about human design with Jenna Zoe, who's also a human design reader. But Erin is really different than Jenna. They are both great and I love them both, but I did a session with each of them. And while nothing contradicted each other, I learned totally new things and felt very articulated by both of them. And Erin's so interesting. She actually goes into companies and teaches about human design and how they can use it, much like Myers-Briggs or Strengths Finder. So she's very, very different than, than Jenna. And I'm really excited to interview her. It's at the Assemblage, like I said. It's a free event. You can come as my guest. The link is in the show notes to join that. And then that same week on Wednesday, January 23rd, I'm hosting the Good Fest New York pop-up with Ruby Warrington, who is a past podcast guest. So if you want to hang out with me, there's two chances in one week. I would love to meet you guys in person and meet each other in person. We can do a little meetup that week. I think that would be really fun. But before we get into today's main meat of this podcast, it's the pilot episode of Brianna Bade's podcast. I thought I would share with you some of my pop culture New Year's resolutions. 
And this is an idea I got from one of my favorite podcasts, which is a pop culture roundtable podcast called Pop Rocket, which if you're not already listening to, you should. It's a delight. It's my favorite podcast that I listen to. I try not to listen to a lot of shows anywhere similar to what I do. And Pop Rocket is just such a delight and gives me so much joy every single week. I discover new music and new movies and just learn a lot, actually, listening to this podcast. And I laugh and I really like it. So they did an episode recently where each of the hosts shared their pop culture New Year's resolution. So I thought I would do the same for you after the break. So let's take a quick break and then I will be back with my pop culture resolutions. This episode is brought to you in part by Cured Nutrition, a holistic supplement company based in Boulder, Colorado. And if you're keen on organic hemp-derived CBD products, you're probably already familiar with them, but they make full-spectrum nibbles and tinctures and treats, and they work with your body's natural system to produce clear benefits without the worry of a psychoactive component. And how many other... CBD companies can say that they're making in-house farm-to-table products. And CBD is most commonly incorporated into wellness regimens to improve sleep, decrease inflammation, and reduce the body's stress load. And the CEO of Cured actually was using the full-spectrum raw oil with his puppy to ease the distress that the puppy was having after having some seizures. So it's a household staple for people of all ages and even pets too. I love their cookie dough snack. It tastes so good. I really, really love it. I carry one in my bag all the time. And I even got to meet them when I was in Boulder a couple weeks ago. And the people who make these products are lovely. I really think that maybe it makes the products better when the people are great. I don't know if that's true, but it's just something that the theory I'm developing. Anyway, if you're worried about having to jump through a lot of hoops to get cured nutrition products, don't be. They ship directly to you safely to all 50 states. And you can find my favorite products, the cookie dough I mentioned and the dropper of oil at curednutrition.com. That's curednutrition.com. And use the coupon code let it out for 15% off any order. And as always, I'll include the link to their site in the show notes. And if you try them out, let me know what you think. Again, the coupon code is let it out for 15% off your order. Thank you, Cured Nutrition. We are back with my New Year's resolutions in pop culture. We're not going to talk about wellness resolutions right now. Maybe I'll do that in a future episode. If you would like me to, let me know. Let me know on Instagram or in the listener Facebook group if you want to know those. I have them, but right now I think I'll just keep it with culture. So first of all, let's talk about movies. I want to go see more movies in the movie theater this year. I have a very small laptop. I have a MacBook Air, I was going to say 32, and I don't even know the inches, but it's a very, very small computer. I watch TV on it because I don't have a TV, and I just, I like the experience of going to movies. I went to my first movie on my own this year, and I want to go to more movies by myself. 
I have a flexible schedule now. So I also went to my first movie in the middle of the day on a weekday last week with my best friend, Sasha. We went at 11.30 a.m. and it was a delight. We saw The Wife, which is so good with Glenn Close. She won the Golden Globe for it and rightfully so. It was a beautiful movie. I want to go to movies with friends as well. I want to talk about movies more, not just during Oscar season. I try to see all the Oscar movies and there's so much buzz to talk about with friends movies during that time, but I want to do that all the time. And I also want to watch Oscar movies from years past that I may have missed. So watching older movies, I have a whole list on my phone. And whenever people mention a movie or recommend a movie, I just pull up my phone and I write the name of it in a list on my phone so I can remember to watch it when I'm having a night by myself or I want to have someone over to watch a movie with me. I have that at the ready. So those are my movie recommendations or resolutions for myself if you want to also do them with me. Music. I want to listen to more music, period. I've been listening to podcasts so often and even audiobooks that I very rarely listen to music. Even while I'm working, I rarely put something in and I want to listen to music more while I'm walking around. It helps me to feel my feelings and let out emotion and... I just want to do it more. I want to make more playlists this year on Spotify. It's something I used to do all the time. And in the last year, things got so stressful and busy that I just didn't really do that at all. I barely listened to music, honestly, other than things that were coming from my computer robot curated Discover Weekly playlist on Spotify. And don't get me wrong, that playlist knows me better than anyone. It's lovely, but I would rather have playlists from real people. So if you want to make me a playlist, feel free. But I want to find music from friends and I want to listen to more full albums like I used to. I want to get back into listening to vinyl. I used to have a record player in my old apartment and I don't anymore, but maybe I want to get one and start collecting vinyl again. So that's music. I want to go to more shows too. I saw a lot of great live music last year, but I want to, I don't know. I don't know if I actually want to do that or not. TBD. Books. Okay. I want to read for pleasure more. I want to read more fiction. I want to listen to more audiobooks. I know I said that was something I was doing, but a lot of times I'm reading books for people I'm about to interview on the podcast. And that might inevitably happen. If I love a book, I might want to have the author on the podcast, but that's fine. I just just want to read more. I want to read more just in the mornings and the evenings of all, all kinds. This is not really a, a very specific resolution, but maybe we could have a book club. I want to maybe do one with my friends or maybe on the podcast. Would you guys like to do that? Let me know. We could choose a book. I don't want to do it like super often because that could be overwhelming, but maybe like once a quarter, or like once a year, even we do a book club, maybe over the summer, we do like a summer book club. Actually, Pop Rocket does that, but we could do a spring book club. Let me know what you guys think in the listener Facebook group. We could discuss this. Maybe one of you could start a thread. That'd be really cool. Okay. TV shows. There's so many TV shows that I want to watch. And I did watch last year. I loved Maniac. And then I watched Forever. And of course, I love Stranger Things and the show Easy on Netflix. And I'm just like taking things off the top of my head. I loved Patrick Melrose, the miniseries. I end up watching a lot of things that people recommend to me on the podcast. I loved I Love Dick on Amazon. 
gosh, there's just so many television shows, you know, there's so many to watch. And I'm trying to pick two at a time. I started watching with my boyfriend over the holidays, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And that show is, let me tell you, it is a delight. It's everything I want it to be and more. I often see them filming around, especially when I first moved here around my neighborhood. I saw them filming the scene in Washington Square Park for many days. That was cool. Anyway, all right, that's TV shows. And then art, visual art. I want to go to more galleries. I've been wandering into galleries more here, which is like my favorite thing to do. I want to go to more museums in the middle of the day and on my own, much like movies, and just get inspired that way. I also want to go with friends. I think it's such a great activity to do. There's so much great art here and and honestly everywhere. We just have to make time for it and seek it out. I just saw this great exhibit at the Guggenheim of Hilma F. Clint. Wow. Just Google her, read all about her, get obsessed with her. If you're in New York or you're visiting New York, go to the Guggenheim and see this exhibit and read everything. I haven't stopped thinking about it since last week when I went. I loved it so much. And that building itself is is striking and beautiful. It was actually my first time there. It's lovely. It's kind of pricey to get in, but it's so worth it. And I just had a great time and I think it's a a must-see if you're visiting New York or you live in New York. And it's going, this exhibit is going to be there until April 23rd. So you have lots of time to see it. I also saw a lot of plays this year. I saw the year of the solar eclipse and I saw this play, Nick got me for Christmas tickets to my boyfriend, tickets to True West, this play with Ethan Hawke and Paul Dano. And it was so good. And weird and intense. And that's on Broadway right now. And we saw Days of Rage with Tavi Gavinson a couple months ago. And he also got us tickets to Mike Birbiglia's The New One. And that's on Broadway right now. It's a one-man show that the comedian Mike Birbiglia is doing about fatherhood and being a dad. And I loved that so much. We ended up seeing Head Over Heels on Broadway at kind of a fluke. And I ended up loving it so much. It has the music of the Go-Go's and it's hilarious and heartwarming. And I just think you guys would really like it. Yeah. Going to plays. I want to see so many more plays this year. Oh, I saw Clueless, the musical with my best friend, Simi, a couple months ago when she visited New York. That was also lovely. Anyway. All right. So those are my pop culture resolutions for 2019. Help me to stick to them. I also wrote about my words of the year in the most recent Let It Out letter. So if you're on my email list, you got my words of the year, which are autonomous, flexible, tender, and there's another one, but I don't remember. Anyway, the point is sign up for the Let It Out letter because you'll get links from me and personal essays and lots of different things that I write about. And one last thing before we get into this week's episode with Brianna, I just want to tell you guys that my grandpa died and he was a really meaningful person to me. Some of you might even remember that he was a guest on this podcast a couple of years ago and I'll link to that episode in the show notes. It's really special that I have that recorded. I loved him so much. He raised me. He took me to school every day. And it's really sad that he's gone. I'm going to miss someone loving me that much. Whenever I walked into the room, he would light up and say, Katie, and pinch my cheeks. And anyway, in the small town I grew up in, this college town, he used to coach basketball there. And he recruited Magic Johnson 
And just there's been a lot of really nice articles written about him in the USA Today and ESPN. And anyways, just a really, really lovely man. So I'll link to some of those and my episode with him. And this week when you're listening to this, I'm probably at the funeral right now doing the eulogy. (laughs) So I'm headed back right after I record this to Michigan for an unexpected family week. But that's where I'll be. And yeah, I just wanted to let you guys know what's happening with me. Kind of a weird way to start the year, but I just, you're my friend. So I thought I'd tell you. Okay, we'll take a quick break and then I will be back with the episode with Brianna. Stick around until the very end of this show because I will be announcing a giveaway for this month and how you can enter that. Also, I'll tell you who's coming up on the show next week, BRB. This episode is brought to you by Care of Vitamins. This year, make health and wellness a top priority with the help of Care of's monthly subscription vitamin service. Whether you're focused on glowing skin or boosting your energy or trying to not get sick during the winter or getting more sleep or just generally feeling your best, Care of will help you build a routine that will help you with all of your health goals. Do something good for your health in 2019. Care of makes that easy to do and to stick with. I love them. As many of you guys know, I think it's so fun and easy to go online, take their quiz. It asks you questions about your lifestyle and where you might be missing some nutritional gaps and where you might have some nutritional gaps that Care of can fill. And they even help you to save money when buying all of your vitamins at Whole Foods or at a drugstore by getting them in these convenient packages. They're individualized. And what's really cool about them is that they are great for travel. I know I just stick mine right in my makeup bag and then I have them ready to go. So take advantage of this month's special New Year's offer. For 50% off your first month of personalized Care of Vitamins, go to takecareof.com and enter the code LETITOUT50. Again, take advantage of this month's special New Year's offer for 50% off. That's half off your first month of personalized Care of Vitamins by going to takecareof.com and entering the code LETITOUT50. I'm Brianna, and this is The Art That's Made Me, a podcast where I interview people about the music, the film, the TV that have impacted them throughout their entire lives and helped them choose a career path in art today. My guest today is Katie Dalebaugh, podcaster, friend of mine, author, wonderful boss of mine as well, um, and just, just a really cool person who lives to interview people about what they find inspiring, and what gets them motivated to do the art that they love. While Katie is usually sitting on this side of things where she's asking the questions, I thought it would be fun to ask Katie about what art has impacted her throughout her life. We got to talk a lot about New York. We got to talk a lot about listening to music in cars. We got to talk a lot about Rent. And I think that it was a really fun podcast, and I think it's fun to listen to. So I hope you guys enjoy, and I will check back at the end. So bye for now. As you know, I'm from a small town in the Midwest. And luckily, it was a college town, so we did have, like, because of that, there was some culture that came through. You know, there was 
like national tours of musicals yeah. that would come through and my family would would go to see them at this place called the Wharton Center on, on campus. So like I, I kind of knew what musicals were, but I did have, my mom was one of six and I did have an uncle who lived in New York City mm-hmm. and he was like a very alluring creature to me. Yeah. <laughs> like I think when I was below seven, I was scared of him because mm-hmm. he just wasn't someone, you know, you are as a kid when there's like an adult person that's not someone you see often, you're kind of scared of them or you're like enamored by them in some way and I remember having that feeling towards my uncle Greg Mm -hmm. and then at about seven or or older I just became like obsessed with him (laughs) like and he was just you know kind of my my window into the outside world outside Mm -hmm. of this little microcosm that I lived in and so I, I don't know exactly he would bring he would come home twice a year he would come home for a week at Christmas and a week in the summer Sometimes not always in the summer, but always at Christmas. And he would just kind of bring this, like, bag of tricks with him Mm -hmm. as presents for all of us. And I don't know. Now, looking back, they're probably, like, now that I live here, I understand it was probably, like, he just, like, went to Canal Street. And, like, (laughs) that was, like, his going to the mall for Christmas shopping. But at the time, it was, like, all this really cool stuff of, Mm -hmm. like, fake bags and little statues of liberty and like tchotchkes essentially but every once in a while there would be like a it would be like a gym in there Mm -hmm. and one of the things that he got my mom was this cassette tape of this play rent and I you know at that time I called it a play like I didn't really know what a musical was but he was in theater he was an actor and then became a director and he he taught it in NYU where we are right now um yeah and he brought this tape back and my mom you know liked musicals like she went to visit her brother when she was mm-hmm. young and she always tells a story about how her and her sister saw the supremes in dream girls on broadway with mm-hmm. him and he tells a story of how their eyes were like so big and, and that kind of is what happened to me because we started listening to rent in the car mm-hmm over and over again and I just enjoy it was it's a you know it's a rock musical so like the music was something that was just so interesting to me and then you know when you're a kid you just listen to something a lot Mm -hmm. and I just knew it like I just I memorized really well from hearing things like I was always that way even in college when I needed to memorize things I would like listen to it or I'd sit have to say it out loud if I was trying to memorize something a poem or something and so I just knew it, but I didn't really know what it was about. I just would sing it kind of in the car, mostly like the track everyone knows, like yeah. the um, 525. <laughs> that. My mom really liked that part. But at around seven, my parents took me, my parents were still married. And I remember it very distinctly. Like we went to Toronto mm-hmm. and saw a show of Rent, like saw the national tour and it was so cool. Like yeah. it was just great to see something, but I had no idea like the concepts of like seeing my first transgender person mm-hmm. and seeing my first a lot of culture is in rent. Like it's yeah. a I don't know, remake's not really the right word, but it's inspired by La Boheme, which is this mm-hmm. this opera, this very famous opera. And then this is the, you know, rock musical version. And it was the first yeah. of anything of its type like that. And then I just became enamored by the whole story of Rent and that I don't know if you know this but Jonathan Larson who made Rent mm-hmm. made the production had worked and failed for years and years and years in New York City and like written a lot of things but just never nothing really hit and yeah. at least not in the way that Rent was this like huge Tony award-winning sensation mm-hmm. and the night before 
it was opening night and previews. They finally found a theater. It was just a very tumultuous experience. Yeah. And he had a heart attack and died. <gasps> oh, my gosh. So he never got to see his show performed. Wow. And he never knew that it was this huge success. And so that night he died. And opening night is like they finally got the funding and the producers and yeah. blah, blah. And the show was going to happen with all these like huge stars today got their start in this little production of Rent. Oh and God. there's a documentary on it, which, of course, yeah. I've seen a million times. But <laughs> anyway, it's a fascinating story. And so I remember my uncle telling that to probably not even to me because I was too young, but like mm-hmm. to my mom and just being enamored with this whole story of this man who didn't get to see his show come to be. And it, and it tackled, you know, it's about people living in the East Village, yeah. which is, you know, where we essentially are right now, where yeah. I live. It's about AIDS. It's about the, mm-hmm. you know, the early 90s. It's about gentrification. Yeah. It's about, um, you know, all these concepts that I'm just really learning about now and mm-hmm. are really just still such a part of our culture and our world now. But I would hear there's this song at the end of the first act that just kind of mentions a lot of different authors and like I remember hearing about Langston Hughes for the yeah. first time and I remember hearing about like words I would have to define for myself later and so after I saw it when I was seven I then somehow got this my hands on the CDs I think mm-hmm. Uncle Greg brought them back like another trip from New York mm-hmm. and when I was in middle school I remember just like piecing together for myself what rent was about without you know I didn't really have the internet then or yeah. access to the internet then so like now it would have been like a quick google away but at mm-hmm. the time I was like listening to these CDs on repeat, trying to figure out what the story was just from the audio, even though I saw it like when I was seven, but now I was like 14 trying to like understand what it was. And I kept listening to it. And then, you know, I ended up like coming to New York and seeing, seeing it the last year that it was on Broadway. Um, And then I, I saw it a couple more times, like I think another national tour, like in Michigan, but Wow. Yeah, it was like a cornerstone <laughs> part of my life, and I was kind of embarrassed about it. And I remember, like, in high school, this part's kind of funny. <laughs> I remember, like, the first night I was, I think I was high for yeah. the first time. And it was senior skip day mm-hmm. when I was, so I, this is, you know, much older at this point. So yeah. it really, like, it wasn't, you know, I listened to other music. I was not <laughs> even really into show tunes. Like, I didn't even really like show tunes. It yeah. was just, and now, like, Weirdly, I think I was so musical focused and I, I was a theater kid and I did all the plays in middle school and high school. And, mm-hmm. and so I, and now I love seeing plays, but I don't really even like seeing musicals wow, because yeah. I'm so, I don't know, I, I got so much of it. Mm-hmm. Like, and my boyfriend loves musicals. Like he's at Hamilton right now. Oh my like, goodness. <laughs> I, and he like loves musicals. So yeah. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll go, but like I prefer to see plays now Me living too. here and it's so interesting because it was just such a part of my world. So anyway, so senior skip day. Yeah. I'm So I'm what, like 17, 18? And I was high for the first time. And everyone at my school talked about how I just, we went camping for senior skip day. It was so much mm-hmm. fun. We had a great time. And I went, and I don't, I like fuzzily remember this, but <laughs> I remember it was like the gossip at the school of like making fun of how I did this. I was like sitting by a tree singing Rent. And everyone's like, <laughs> oh my God, Katie's singing Rent again. And it became like, a trope of our like little friend group of like yeah. oh you know she's really high if she's gonna start singing rent again and I think oh it happened God. just that one time but then it became you know like this thing I did one time becomes like what everyone That's always so like funny. yeah and then I remember the next year our freshman year of college I went to visit a friend of mine who was at University of Michigan mm-hmm. and I was in his dorm room and he had rent the the script like the play and I was like what 
the hell? Like yeah. what? And he's like, I had to read it for a class. And I was like, are you kidding me? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's my dream class. And so we play, again, that night as a drinking game, we yeah. played the game open the book, point to a page, and they would say a line, and I would say the next line. Like, oh that's God. how well I knew it. Like, I know it. So if we had the script right now, like, you could say a line, and I could say the next line so easily. It's just part of me. That's and so funny. Yeah, wow. and it's just, like, enough to be on my website, enough to, like, it was so shaped. It shaped me in a yeah. way that, like, I, I kind of feel like it's so... I remember, like, skipping school the day the movie came out to go see it. I yeah. remember, like, in college, I took a music course that, like, talked about opera, and then we talked about La Boheme, and that sort of led to Rent. And it yeah. was just, like, all of these things in my life, it's almost played too much. Like, I even <laughs> had... They did a 20-year anniversary tour, mm-hmm. national tour, like, two years ago, and I had the the person who plays the Mark Cohen has like become Mm -hmm. a friend of mine. He's in my phone as Mark Cohen. And so when he texts me, I'm like, that's hilarious that Mark Cohen is like, it's just a bizarre thing. I even live in the East village. Like you said, like, it's just like, it's all kind of come full circle. It all really like ties up. That's so fascinating. Yeah. Like, Starting this podcast, I was thinking of, like, art that has made an impact on you. Mm-hmm. But this has truly followed you throughout yeah. your entire life. Yeah. It's so funny. Like, when you said, I'm so glad you brought it up and you saw it on my website and, and brought it up to me. Because I wonder, like, if you had said art that impacts your life, I probably would have talked about the movies I really love and the music mm-hmm. that I really love and the things that shaped me. I probably wouldn't have even thought of Rent. But now that I've, like... I. Obviously, I talked just forever, like a soliloquy yeah. on that because, <laughs> and I could go on because it just, it's so bizarre how something that like, I was seven years old yeah. and listening to a cassette tape and it, it even shows like the time and how things have changed so yeah. much and technology and gentrification yeah. and just it, where I live. It's so bizarre. Yeah. It's interesting too, because like as a fellow Midwesterner, mm-hmm. I feel like the big like concepts that were presented in rent like to learn about those at seven years old totally. when you don't really have like an idea about it like totally that is so eye-opening but also yeah. very confusing because you're never going to hear about it from anything else until you're much older oh it's so true I mean I've had like for the last 10 years being like oh that's <laughs> what that was happening in rent because my family and I don't know if it, this is the case for you but like I never had a conversation about sex. Like, I never had a conversation about what a transgender person. I never had these conversations. And my mom did take me to rent, but she just assumed it would go over my head. And most of it did, but I became, like, fascinated with figuring it out, which I don't think she really knew. She was probably like, oh, she likes the music, you know? (laughs) And, like, it definitely had swearing, and it definitely had sex. And I remember her saying and, like, having a conversation with my dad of, like, oh, shit, like, we shouldn't have brought her here, especially, like, as a seven-year-old. I remember there being, like, rent heads there. And, like, they kind of looked at my parents funny of, like, why are you bringing a child to this? Totally. And I think she—my mom was so not this way. Like, she was so not chill or cool. But I think Mm -hmm. with that, she was just kind of like, well— you know, we're here. She likes the music. We're yeah. we're just gonna do it. It'll go over her head. Oh my god! You know, little does she know though. Like, yeah, how, how much, how much research you did just directly afterwards yeah. and beyond. Wow. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. That's such a huge part of your life. I had no mm-hmm. idea. I'm mm-hmm. so happy I know this now. Yeah, and it's not something I like lead with because <laughs> totally. it's like kind of it. It's kind of embarrassing. Like to the point where like in high school, like my friends knew because like I was a theater kid and like yeah. I hung out with like not really theater kids yeah. and. They were just like, oh, okay, he's got a weird stuff she's into. And yeah. my friends were just going to like, you know, they played soccer and were like very, um, 
like not just like athletic and what I would call normal where I was like eccentric and sort of weird, but <laughs> totally. like hung out with them. And so they were like, okay, that's your funny thing. And, yeah. and so we weren't like singing rent in the car. Like I listened to different music. It wasn't by the time I got to high school it was just, it was my comfort food. You know, it was yeah. my cozy thing. It was like, if I was sad, I would put it on while I took a shower and mm-hmm. listen to it. Or I would, and I listened to other stuff too, but it was just like, and even now it makes me feel so many feelings. If I hear it, if I want to listen to it, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, I feel about it a lot. Like my boyfriend I, I mentioned is at Hamilton as mm-hmm. we speak, like really feels this way about Hamilton. And mm-hmm. so many people I know feel this way about Hamilton. And okay. I'm sure if I like got into Hamilton, I would probably love it too. Like I get it. I'm sure it's amazing. Yeah. But I just feel like I had that relationship with a piece of work yeah. with, with Rent that I understand so deeply, like what he gets from, from that. Yeah. And it's, it's such a, like, it's so beautiful to have that relationship with a musical in particular because the yeah. music, you love the music so much, but you also love the story and it's cool. That's amazing. And then, like, also, I think we can both relate to the fact that we are just, like, Midwestern children yeah. who had very Midwestern upbringing. Totally. As, as much as I love the Midwest, mm-hmm. it is not the most exciting place to be. Yeah. And so then, beyond rent, do you remember anything from specifically, like, elementary school, middle school, and this opens it up to music, books, films, anything that really, when you were just in your room, bored as hell, what were the things that you went to for that sort of comfort or for for entertainment in general? It's so interesting. So music was like a big, big thing when I was Little and this mm. is how it manifested. So you know, rent was you know kind of there tangentially. It was almost like I was, I was more into the story of that than I was listening to the music over and over again. Like mm-hmm. I, I would listen to it, but it wasn't something that I would put on over and over again. But I would when I was a, a little little kid. We had a trampoline in the backyard, and mm-hmm. I had this little radio that I would take outside. And the station was called Z101.7. Yeah. <laughs> and I would jump on my trampoline and just listen to music for hours and hours and hours every single day after wow. school. And I would try to go run inside and pee during the commercials because I didn't <laughs> want to miss a song because I was waiting for, like, these certain songs. Yeah. You know, and, of course, I loved the Spice Girls. Mm-hmm. Of course, I loved, you know, some of the interesting i'm it's so funny i'm watching on netflix right now the cnn the 90s oh yeah uh, which is so good and like yeah. so hits a lot of notes for me but the songs that i really loved were like alanis morissette and mm-hmm. anything lilith fair like i didn't know it was lilith fair then because i was so i was so little but now these songs are like i just did karaoke for my friend's birthday like two weeks ago <laughs> yeah. and like what i always sing is meredith brooks and alanis morissette wow. and all of these 90s girl jams like yeah. that's my Sarah McLachlan I that's love so that so it's so cozy to me it is so cozy and that's what I loved I think it's because it hits those notes of like when I was a kid this is what I heard and mm. it's like Cheryl Crow and Natalie Merchant and my dad had really good I don't know I thought at the time really good taste in music yeah. like comparatively like my mom just like and still to this day she listened to the same song on repeat over and over yeah. again and loves like anything she goes to and like types in in iTunes like the top 100 she <laughs> loves she knows more about like what is on the radio right now than I do like wow. she loves pop music so yeah. much and that's just her taste and my dad like alternative things and mm-hmm. so but my parents divorced when I was pretty young. So when, by the time I was 10, I 
wasn't around my dad at all, but very slightly. Mm-hmm. And so that sort of music just makes me, he, I remember he like gave me a Ben Fold CD and he had the taste of music that wasn't what I was hearing on the radio or yeah. what wasn't what my mom was playing for me. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of my first, that was what I liked. And it was almost like wrong to like that stuff because my mm-hmm. dad and mom had this like tumultuous relationship and I kind of took after my dad. Yeah. This is like now becoming therapy. No, but, please, um, I love it. And it was kind of like, it's kind of like that with food too. Like my taste take after my dad as well. Like wow. I, I like really salty things and I like like, and my mom like, and her family likes bland food sort of and like doesn't put salt on anything. Mm-hmm. And, so, like, and I just like kind of embraced that now because I was trying to like fit into where I was, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyway, so that's kind of the music when I was young. That was like, that yeah. really... That's funny. Yeah. Alanis Morissette especially, like, is so angry, <laughs> which is just, like, a good image in my head of you Little as a kid. young yeah. kid, like, <laughs> just screaming, yeah. like, jagged little pill and everything. Yeah. And, like, that album is so meaningful to me. Like, still to this <laughs> day, like, I hear a song from it and it just goes right in. Like, yeah. it just is, like, and it was so groundbreaking at the time that it was as, as successful as it was. Like, mm-hmm. and I love Alanis Morissette, like as a person, even now she has a podcast and she's like very into therapy and like she's wonderful. Whoa. But she, she, it was so crazy for like a woman at that time to be being authentic and like being herself and feeling her feelings mm-hmm. out loud. And I think that just resonated obviously with the country, with like everyone yeah. and like including me, this little like sheltered <laughs> Midwestern girl, it, like totally. hit a, those are songs that would, like, come on the radio, but people would change the station, mm-hmm. you know? At least who I was, like, hanging out with and being babysat by. But yeah. that was definitely something that's, like, very cozy to me. And I spent a lot of time with my grandparents, too. And mm-hmm. they listened to, like, a lot of Frank Sinatra and, like, yeah. oldies. And so that was kind of in my music sphere mm-hmm. as, like, a child. But then, you know, like, as you know, when I got to middle school and high school, I think, and I heard this quote somewhere, probably on a podcast, where the music that you listen to when you're in high school, like before, like basically when you're before 18 or in your Mm -hmm. early 20s is really the music that you'll love for the rest of your life. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Because you're in this kind of, you're feeling your feelings. You're kind of like a cartoon character. Everything you feel so deeply when you're a teenager and a young adult. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it now, like the music that a lot of older people listen to is kind of what was popular when they were in high school, college, like young adulthood. So that's really interesting. Because And then, so anyway, so when I got to high school and college, I am this way, and I'm assuming a lot of people are, you're malleable to what your friends' tastes are so much. And you, you know, you are as a little kid, just like, they don't have very good taste. But <laughs> then, you know, I met people with some with really, really good taste. And, yeah. and it, like the making each other CDs culture of mm. high school completely changed my taste of music and showed me so much. And it was the time where like I kind of came of age in an interesting time musically where CDs were going away. And mm. like it was the, I remember iPods came out, maybe like the actual iPod when I was maybe like a sophomore, junior in high school so it was the time of like making and passing out cds and then having to go and sit and name all of your songs in itunes i don't even know if you had to do that i did like the youtube to mp3 converter oh yeah yeah yeah. so then like i would also have to go in and name all of them and also add like the album art and everything yeah it was i was so ocd about it and it would be like oh i got homework today but i got three new mix cds so i gotta get to work tonight i gotta google the lyrics and you never one day like ask what the songs were because like that was very uncool i wanted to like know what they were yeah 
have the album art and like you had to have everything on your iPod. Like yeah. what was in your musical library meant something about it. It said you. everything about yeah. it. Yeah. That's so funny. I love that culture of like it's uncool to ask like if you don't know it. It's like yeah. you have to know this. And it's interesting too because I just can't even imagine. Like now we just have Spotify. It just it just co- totally goes away. I mean, I guess you make each other playlists, which yeah. like I still do with people. Yeah. But it's so much. I don't know. There's that intimacy of a mixed CD. It's probably yeah. like what the generation before me felt about a mixtape. Totally. I think it's when there's like something physical. To yeah. It. You. I mean, a Spotify playlist can be deleted at any time, right. and also it's dragging and dropping songs. Yeah, they can be moved around. It. Yeah, yeah, like it. It feels overly manipulated in mm-hmm. a way, I think. While like something like a CD or especially a mixtape too, like the act of handing that to someone yeah. or like dropping it in their locker. Or, yeah, like, there's something so personal and totally about yeah. that, which I think had so much more meaning when like this is not a duplicate to anything. Yeah, not everyone can see this. Like mm-hmm. this is for you and your car. And I love that. Yeah. Oh. It, it's interesting. Like, when I broke up with my college boyfriend, yeah. he had this big, almost like a binder. It looked like kind of like a photo of him. My cousin got it for me. It was, like, where I kept all my CDs. Was orange. Yeah. Not was. It, it, it's in my current boyfriend's basement now. Yeah. But I remember my, my boyfriend from college, and I broke up a couple years after college, and I still have some of his stuff. Like, I still have a, co- a couple of his records, like yeah. his vinyl records. And I think some of them are his dad's that are probably, like, antiques. But one thing that I really wanted back that he had of mine was this, like, big, huge binder of CDs. Yeah. Because it was, like, everything that had been made for me in high school. And now, you know, I'll still find stuff, like, when I'm home in Michigan at my parents of, like, yeah. you know, a CD that someone I had a crush on made me. <laughs> or, like, I remember the order of the songs on this CD. And just, yeah. it introduced me to so many different things and, and different, like, different the way different people would make me CDs. And mm-hmm. it totally changed my taste, taste in music for sure. Yeah. And, like, you know, it sounds dramatic, but, like, my life and my taste just, like, as a human being were so shaped by yeah. that. I think it's understandable that it changes your life, too, especially yeah. when it's in the form of a CD. Because, like, let's say you're 16, you're driving. Like, I feel like that is your first real taste freedom. of freedom yes. and the music you listen to while you're doing that or the people you're with while music is in the background like it is so experiential mm-hmm. and it's like a memory to you totally. forever totally um, and super sacred yeah in that way yeah it's so interesting how putting on a certain song can take you to a feeling and that's why I think I got so into 90s music I mm-hmm. actually got back into 90s music when I was in high school and I went to high school in like the mid 2000s early Mm -hmm. 2000s and me and a group of a couple of my friends got really into 90s music and we made each other CDs of like 90s mix one 90s mix two of everything from like third eye blind and like the (laughs) goo goo dolls to like Alanis Morissette and Lilith Fair type like girl music and then like hip-hop from the 90s and like all different types of 90s music and I think the reason why we did that I mean part of it was like I had these two older cousins when Mm -hmm. I was a child they are 10 and 8 years older than me so I idolized them and Mm -hmm. this was the music they were listening to when I was young and like the way that they were dressing and so I got very into 90s music in, in high school which was like such a weird thing but I don't know it was just like it's so funny like you're saying how you can put on a song and it takes you back to a moment in time and then 
that moment can be a different moment. Like、mm-hmm. now, I kind of think about my high school when I listen to certain '90s songs. Yeah, because it's like a weird, you know, you can change the meaning. And sometimes I'll find myself with a song like not wanting to play it or overplay it because I I don't want the meaning to change. Like I want it to make me think of that breakup, or、totally. I want it to make me think of that person. If I listen to it too much, it'll make me think of like this moment I'm in,、yeah. and I don't want to. It's so funny. No, it's so true. And yeah, no, music is very interesting that way、mm-hmm. of like. Moments, I I related a lot to food as well. Yeah,、like、and just, movies and books too.、Yeah. Like if I read or watch, sometimes I'm like,、oh, I don't want to watch that too much because I don't want it to get、yeah. antiquated or I don't want it. I don't want to see it like、yeah. from this perspective. Totally. No, you want to hold it as that sacred memory as、yeah. opposed to that just piece of art. It's it's so much more than、yeah. that. Yeah, you have your own personal experiences into it. Yeah. Were there any like movies or books that you specifically remember from like your high school years or、yeah. any time really that were super impactful to you? Yeah. When I was in middle school,、mm-hmm. I read this book called Star Girl. By did you read I that? Love. Have that we talked、book. about this? No. <laughs> I love that book. Yeah, I do too. There's a sequel. Have you read it? Oh yeah, love. Is、Star、it good?、Girl. Is it like- as good? The thing is, like, I think it only came out like a few years after. Yeah. Or I read them pretty much back to back. Okay. So because I didn't read the second one. First one's way better.、Uh-huh. Like the second one is just kind of them. Like I think it was like love letters back and forth、okay. or whatever. But like the first one entirely impacted who I am. Oh,、today. me too. Me too. Like <laughs> me too. You want to be Star Girl? Strongly. Yeah. <laughs> Strongly. Yeah. That really. I read it maybe in seventh eighth grade. Yeah. And you know have that before. High school, it just yeah, it was just probably my favorite book. It was the first book I remember like being a favorite book of mine. Apart from Star Girl, do you remember any other really pivotal like films or TV shows that impacted you when you were younger and that have kind of followed、yeah. you to today? I watched a lot of TV as a kid, and just as a child. To entertain me, like my parents always had me watching TV. I watched a lot of Arthur. Did you ever watch Arthur? Oh, like Arthur the, the Aardvark. Yeah, I feel like him actually in my yellow. Yeah,、t-shirt. you look great. Thank、That's、you so much. That's probably why I love、yeah. your outfit today. <laughs> DW vibes. Yeah, but yeah, if if you had a sweater vest, you would be full on Arthur. Yeah. Did you ever see that meme of him like with the fist by his side? Oh、That's、yeah,、pretty. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, send that to me. I will. <laughs> Yeah, like I, I watched obviously like kids television, and then my mom really like loved TV. So that was like something we did together, especially、mm-hmm. in middle school. Like I remember watching the final season of Friends, which was really pivotal.、Mm-hmm. And again, with being an expander of, I believe, and I have this mentor of mine who told me this thing about how TV and media. Can be expanders for us into what her term is an is an expander, essentially like a role model to help you to see to believe.、Mm-hmm. And living in my small town in Michigan, I didn't know that it was possible to do a lot of moving to New York. I didn't know seeing people that did that, but I did have friends, and I the show,、yeah. and you know, my uncle was definitely a, a expander for me to like show me that that was possible for me from my small town,、mm-hmm. but also. This content got in. Like my childhood was a plethora, movie-wise, of romantic comedies. So it was like How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days and Thirteen Going on Thirty, which are all journalists who moved to New York, who are like these young white, pretty women、yeah. who like moved to New York <laughs> and make it, and are journalists, and、totally. that became very alluring to me. 
and I studied journalism and here I am, you know, yeah. like not in the exact same way, but sort of. And it's funny how media can just get in there so deep and inform your decisions. And I think, you know, a lot of the TV shows that I watched, I mentioned this to you, I watched The O.C. I loved The O.C. Mm -hmm. and Gossip Girl and a lot of these teen dramas. Yeah. But this character in The O.C. named Seth Cohen was who I had, like, my first, like, crush on a character. Yeah. And my boyfriend now kind of looks like him (laughs) and, like, has the same interests. And, like, that, I think, is a very pivotal thing of like I think because he reminded me of him it's not like oh my god I'm like dating him because he reminds me of this fictional character (laughs) it was like no but it maybe it is like the fact that I first had a crush on him or I first looked at him it was like because he reminded me of this cozy thing to me in, in some weird way and it's the same thing with like I didn't move to New York because I wanted to like be Jennifer Garner's character in 13 going on 30 but it was like I probably was in there somewhere of like wanting this to be something that I did in my life, you know? And of course I did it in my own way and it was different than how it was then. But movies, lots of romantic comedies growing up middle school and high school and, you know, just kind of seeing whatever, like going to the movies was like a thing you did in Mm. in the Midwest, you know, it was like what you did on the weekends with your friends, you would get dropped off. It made you feel very adult. (laughs) And I also went to a lot of movies like with my mom, we would go like on Sunday evenings a lot, Mm -hmm. just the two of us. It was like a thing we did together. So I saw a lot of movies, but it was just kind of like the blockbuster things that would like be showing in my hometown. And then when I was in high school, We saw this movie, Marie Antoinette, Mm -hmm. the Sofia Coppola version, and I loved that movie, and I loved her as a director, Mm -hmm. and then I saw The Virgin Suicides, and we had this class at our high school called Film is Lit, which got me to watch some Hitchcock movies like Rear Window, and we watched some old westerns, and it just got me to look at film as a genre in a way that I hadn't, but I wouldn't say that I started watching more movies. Actually, a couple of my friends in high school took that class before me. So they were kind of showing movies around to me and we would Mm -hmm. watch them together. But I wasn't really watching movies like on my own as like a thing I did. Like I would sit down and read a book by myself until I was in college. Like I think in high school, movies are just something that you do as a social activity or like you watch on the weekends with someone and you're like talking more than you're even like watching the movie or you're like, it's like an excuse to make out or like, it wasn't really like a thing that I watched on my own. I didn't really have, I had very few movies that I would watch that were cozy to me over and over again. There was this one movie, Serendipity, which I told you before, had like a lot of meaning to me because I watched it the night that my parents got divorced in the theater and it was just kind of a fluke. And I have this theory about whenever you go to a movie and it's sold out and you have to go to a different movie and you just pick one, that movie ends up being better than the one you saw. It's like this magical theory. I've heard you say that before. Yeah. I 100% agree with that. Yeah. Like I've, I've felt that happen before when I've tried to see a new movie and it's sold out and you have to see one that's like six weeks old, but also amazing yeah I think it's a I think it's a total thing and yeah. serendipity was the first movie that that happened to me for and we were trying to see Stuart Little it was sold out we went to this adult movie when I was like 10 years old and it's this John Cusack and Kate Beckinsale mm-hmm. super romantic comedy Jeremy Piven is in it Molly Shannon's in it it's it's a delight it's like a yeah. sugary <laughs> delight it's not like the most groundbreaking thing in the world but it's you know a New York Christmas romantic 
comedy and totally. it's everything you would want it to be. And I watch it every single year yeah. and it's just like, it's so pivotal to me. But anyway, it wasn't until college where I started to like watch films by myself and get into different directors and understanding mm-hmm. like how a film is is made and like watch more indie films because of this boyfriend that I had mm-hmm. who was the same one who had my CD collection, my boyfriend in college and he had really great taste in movies. His mm-hmm. brother was studying film and he introduced me to Wes Anderson and we I remember watching Fantastic Mr. Fox with him and Royal Tenenbaums again and again and again and we saw Moonrise Kingdom when it came out and yeah. I remember, you know, going to this theater a couple hours away from where our college was that showed different movies, like mm-hmm. more indie movies that weren't released where we lived. And so that was definitely pivotal for me. And then he would just show me different movies. And in high school, I missed going back. There are a couple of movies that came out that I do remember that were movies I loved. Juno came yeah. out, and I loved that, and 500 Days of Summer. And those are you know <laughs> kind of darker romantic comedies that still hit those notes, but were just newer and fresher. And yeah. so I loved those. And then Adam would, we'd kind of find movies together randomly. And we found this movie, Happy Thank You More Please, Mm -hmm. which I love so much. And I, it ended up being like a very pivotal movie to me. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of the beginning of me being like, oh, he's just like finding movies he thinks look cool. Like I can do that for myself. Like just kind of like how someone would make you CDs and you're like, oh, I can make a CD. I just find music that I like and I listen to it yeah. and so I that was the first time I was like oh I'm, I just would like watch a ton of trailers and this trailer would lead me to another trailer and next thing I know I would spend like hours and hours watching trailers and finding different movies and finding movies from different times like I became that's when I found Richard Linkletter and mm. the before movies are like very pivotal to me I love them. Um, and so I realized through that like my own taste in movies and I mm-hmm. like really talking movies not a lot of action, yeah. a lot of dialogue, and just, like, character movies. And yeah. so that's become my taste in movies now. And now, I like, I love movies so much. Like, it's my favorite, favorite thing to do is go yeah. to movies and watch movies. And yeah. yeah. No, and it's interesting. And you said this before, but with Happy Thank You, or mm-hmm. Happy Thank You Movie yeah. Plays, right? Yeah. Yeah. That seeing that movie led to this whole wonderful chain of events where eventually you got to interview the director. Yeah. The yeah. director, right? Yeah, the director, writer, star of it. And he, in his own right, is like a famous actor because he did the show called How I Met Your Mother. And mm-hmm. he made another movie that he wrote, directed, and starred in called Liberal Arts. And those two movies I really, really loved. Mm-hmm. But I didn't watch him on his TV show. And yeah. I didn't really, like, know him for that piece of work. But yeah. I loved his movie so much. And I... Ended up getting connected with him, had him on my podcast. We've become friends and since then. And yeah. his his work has been something like, you know, there's this podcast I listened to. I think you would really like. It's called Pop Rocket. Have you ever listened oh, to that? Oh, no, I haven't. It's like a panel about pop culture. But they have this thing where they give the Pop Rocket seal of approval to someone where they're okay. like, anything this person does, it's going to be good. And like, oh. that's kind of how I feel about him. Like, I yeah. trust his taste mm-hmm. where that movie was a pivotal moment for me. Like, it just... It was something that I felt like I discovered on my own and yeah. I loved and had this meaning to me. And, and from there, I, I found so many movies that hit me in a similar way. Yeah. And I, and I knew what I liked and what I didn't like by that point. Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, that's nice because I think people often overlook that, especially with movies, or at least I always did as someone mm-hmm. who, like you, loved rom-coms. And yeah. Like all I'd watched, but like... 
it's interesting because much like character traits, once you can start to identify yeah. the things that you love, mm-hmm. it's so it just watching film as a whole is so much more enjoyable for me yeah. now that I know the niche things I like as opposed to like the girl falls in love with the guy, they have an issue, yeah. but it's resolved by the end. It's yeah. nice to find those more I don't know. Those movies that you really connect with. Yeah. And to, to see yourself or to see not see yourself. You know, I think a lot of people, this is such an interesting concept for a podcast. And I love talking about this stuff because I think a lot, of, and I might be a unique first guest for this because <laughs> so many people I know, their media consumption and their taste are very informed by their family mm-hmm. and by who they grew up with and what they watched as kids. And, you know, I think maybe it's a Midwestern thing. Like, mine felt very neutral. And mm-hmm. I was really informed. And I think this is not unique to me by any means. But I think you're very much malleable when you're younger, when mm-hmm. you're in your when you're in high school, when you're in college, by, and you're shaped by your friends and their friends Mm -hmm. and their families and you just become this kind of soup of all the people around you and then I think I kind of came out of that at the end of college and when I was living on my own and when I had my first job then I was like oh I can watch anything I want to watch and I can read anything I want to read I'm not in school anymore my choices aren't informed by anyone and I, I think I'd like been through my first breakup and I was like what do I want to watch? And then I became really informed, not necessarily just by the people around me, but like by podcasts, like mm-hmm. listening to podcasts and hearing what other people were listening and watching and consuming. I would like write things down and write yeah. down. And then it became so much easier to get access to media at that mm-hmm. point. Like Netflix was a thing and Amazon was a thing. So now, you know, at my fingertips is like any movie I could possibly want to watch from any time period. I can probably get my hands on where like when I was in college, it was so pivotal for me to have this boyfriend who was like torrenting movies and like, you know, I could find whatever I wanted, but like now I could do this on my own and I could really like download whatever I wanted to download and watch it that night. And I was like, that became a, a pivotal thing for me, not just in movies, but also in music and in books, I started, my media really grew and I, I was choosing what I wanted purely selfishly and consuming things. And that's where I am now, you know, now it's TV, it's movies, it's media just in general. It's like, Mm -hmm. there's so much good stuff. There's so much content. It can be so overwhelming. There's this great line from actually before sunset or before midnight or one of the before movies where Julie Depley's character says this line where she says, there's so much I want to be doing. I end up doing that much. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. And that's a line that like, unfortunately really impacts my life and my productivity in general. But also with media, I think it's the same thing. There's so much I want to be watching that I end up watching that much, you Mm -hmm. know, or I end up, and I know that so many people can relate to like, you've scanned through Netflix, you have a half an hour to watch something and you scan through Netflix trying to figure out what to watch for 20 minutes. Living in New York City is is a really hard place to make decisions. Like, you have to make so many, not just going to a coffee shop, but finding the best coffee shop. Mm -hmm. I'm not just getting a sandwich. I'm going to get the best sandwich. Totally. You know, what am I going to wear today? Or, like, there's just so many decisions we have to make in a a certain day. Yeah. And then now it's easier than ever to life optimize. Before it was, like, 
I've got these four cassette tapes or what's on TV. Actually,、mm-hmm. that's all I'm gonna be able to choose from.、Yeah. Right now, it's like you have everything that was ever made、yeah. at your disposal. Choose. Like that's a lot. Yeah. And same thing with like Yelp and being in this city. But it's like. Before you just you knew the places you knew,、mm-hmm. you know. But now it's like I could Google and tell you eight other places nearby that might be better. Totally. So why would I just choose the one closest? You、yeah. know, like, and it's the same thing like going to the fridge when you only have a couple items there.、Mm-hmm. It's like pretty easy to choose. But when you've just gone to the store, you're really hungry. Like it's kind of like we're really hungry, and we've got all the options. Yeah. We want everything and nothing. Totally, you know, because you just like don't even know what you want. Yeah, no, it gets to the point where it's frustrating. You're like, well, I don't want anything, and you'll yeah,、quit. and you'll like do something else or just like yeah, lay around and do nothing. Which yeah, is so fascinating. I've been、um, recently watching a ton of Sex in the City.、Uh, I think I maybe told you this, but when I moved to New York, which was not that long ago, I rewatched the entire season, and、yeah. it was such a the entire series, and it was such a pivotal. Thing for me because it was so fun to be here and be like, oh, that's uptown and that's downtown. I've walked by that restaurant.、Yeah. It was lovely. I love Carrie, and I think the way that I I write and I speak like is very informed by that show,、totally. and especially the voiceovers of her writing. And she was such a. I watched Sex and the City when I was in high school. Yeah, and it was. Again, kind of like what we were talking about about expanders and about、mm. you know seeing to believe. Like she was in my expander. Like I wanted、yeah. to be a writer. I wanted to have a Mac computer that looked、yeah. like hers. I wanted to sit by a window and smoke cigarettes and、yeah. you know write personal essays. And and you know I think those women are all facets of me and、totally. of my personality. I used to definitely think I was like super Charlotte because、mm-hmm. I just was a sheltered Midwesterner. Yeah, but I definitely. At my better moments, I think that I'm all of them. You、totally. know, like I want to be as free as Samantha. I want to be as driven as Miranda. I want to be as sweet as Charlotte, and、mm-hmm. as interesting as as Carrie. And what was so great about those characters is that they all had flaws. Like they were female characters with flaws, but they were female characters living their life and having、yeah. sex and talking about it and really successful and single.、Mm-hmm. And that hadn't really been seen on television before. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, I I love Carrie and like I love her hair, totally her style. Yeah, I just I love that shows like very very meaningful to me. Yeah, and then Girls, which came after it, and you know, such a different, separate New York that、totally. still actually seems far from the New York we live in now, even though it was just a couple years ago. But that was pivotal to me because Girls came out my senior year of college, so、mm-hmm. I remember watching that in my college house with my best friends and. Lena Dunham's character is from East Lansing in、oh. in Girls, and they actually mention my college town. They actually like do an episode where they go there. They don't actually film it there, unfortunately. Yeah, I can tell. But but that was just really interesting because I was like, this is hilarious. Like this is actually about. It felt it felt a little bit like too close. Totally.、Um, so that was also like a a pivotal show for me because New York is in media so much, obviously. And、yeah. I'm I'm reading this book about Friends right now. That my friend Kelsey Miller wrote because she's doing the podcast, and it's so interesting how that show informed the culture and informed the rest of the country's perspective of New York. And the same、yeah. with Sex and the City, and the same with Girls. You know, I feel about. I mean, there's so many flaws, and and all of the that those three shows in particular, like the inherent whiteness and the、yeah. inherent. You know, there's so many problematic things about them,、Absolutely. and it's like there's that funny Onion article that's like 
feminist has to forget all of her ideologies to enjoy a piece of content, yeah. you know, or like it's, it's, you have to like, you know, turn a certain level of that off to just like watch something. Yeah. And I think, you know, with Sex in the City, when I rewatched it, when I moved here, I definitely had to do that. But I also, like you were saying, it's such a different depiction of New York than girls. Like girls, it's like, it's so much grittier and it's kind of, mm-hmm. it makes it so abrasive in a way that like, I don't feel like I need to even watch it again. It's like, I got what I needed from that. Totally. I, but with Sex in the City, it's like, it's just the shiny stuff. So it's kind of like a sugary delight to, yeah. to turn that on. It can be very cozy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's funny. And friends. Yeah. No, yeah. they all, all of them make you want to live here and then you say, well, but. Josh Radner said this interesting thing on my podcast. He said that making content in New York is a more interesting place to make films yeah. because things happen a lot quicker here because you're kind of putting people in a pressure cooker of a, of a lifestyle. So it's easier to make movies that take place here yeah. because it can move the fiction forward quicker. Yeah. But he also said to me this thing, which, which always stuck with me, and I think is very true, that New York is a town of extremes where you're, because he used to live here as well, your highest highs like your good days will be euphorically awesome and Mm -hmm. your bad days will be like terribly horrid and I've definitely felt that there are days when I'm like the bad days are like crying on the street and the good days are like I feel like I'm in a movie and like there's really not that much in between (laughs) oh that's amazing I will I'm going to start telling people that that's fascinating yeah wow okay well now catching up to just Mm -hmm. modern day Katie Dale about what have you been watching? What have you been listening to? Mm. What have you been reading? Just anything that comes to mind that is kind of just important to your life right now. Maybe not even pivotal, just yeah. what you've been liking. Hmm. I was so focused on thinking about what I liked in the past. I, I'm trying to think what I've even been into now. I saw this movie this summer called Skate Kitchen, mm-hmm. which I loved. It was so good. Yeah. Have you seen it? I haven't. You've got to see it. It's okay. these these girls who are actual skaters in their like high school, they met this filmmaker on the subway and she made this fictionalized version of their lives into a movie. Mm-hmm. And it's, but they acted as versions of themselves. Oh, yeah. Cool. It's so good. So that was definitely like something I've seen most recently that I really loved. I love the Mr. Rogers documentary yeah. that I also saw this summer and the Ruth Bader Ginsburg documentary this yes. summer was wonderful what else have I been loving it the discover weekly playlist on Spotify Spotify it's like getting a mix CD from <laughs> someone that knew you really well in high school yeah. every week like totally. it, it really <laughs> hits me yeah so I really have been loving that I Nick and I we are long distance so we watch shows together apart and we mm-hmm. watched maniac oh um, I watched on it Netflix. As well. yeah I loved it yeah I like yeah. the aesthetic a lot. That, yeah. Like, I had to talk about this in one of my classes, the retrofuturism type thing. Yeah. It's really cool. Really cool. So I loved that. Then after we watched that, somebody suggested the show Forever with oh. um, Maya Rudolph. Mm-hmm. And I liked that not as much as Maniac. Yeah. But then this year, I love Katherine Hahn. Like, I think she's fantastic. And there's this movie Private Life that okay. it's in theaters and on Netflix right now. It's really a, a story about a relationship. Basically, these two East Village artists have been together for a long time, and mm-hmm. they are trying to have a baby, and they can't, and drama ensues. Mm-hmm. And that's 
the premise, but it's just one of those talky feeling movies about a relationship and people that I really love. And then I saw this movie that Zoe Kazan and Paul Dano, they made, wrote this movie together that stars Jake Gyllenhaal and Carrie Mulligan. Mm-hmm. And it takes place in the 1960s. And it really tells a story of the demise of their relationship and mm-hmm. their son and how everything kind of unfolds with that. It really only has like four characters in it, but it's so well written. It's based off of this book. And I got to hear Zoe Kazan speak about it, and I love her. She's actually in Happy Thank You More, please. Yeah. Um, but it's such a wonderful movie. Those are, those are really recent things. But speaking of Zoe Kazan and Paul Dano, I love the movie Ruby Sparks that they mm-hmm. were in together. I love trying to think what I loved last year, like Oscar season. I always see all the Oscar movies. I like to, yeah. I like to do that. Like Shape of Water and stuff. I yeah, I saw the, I saw Shave of Water. I saw them all last year, yeah. and Shave of Water was like my least favorite. Yeah, I've heard that from people. But it's a polarizing movie. Yeah, I mean, it was fine. It was good. It was just like it's not my kind of movie. It's like one of those big budget, lots of things happen in it, and I like talking movies where like there's oh. not really much plot. Yeah, but yeah, those are like my very recent movies that I've loved. Yeah, awesome. And then I thought to wrap it up, we could do a rapid fire. Ooh, okay. yay! I'm excited. Okay, it's my favorite. so. Just questions about the art and also New York. So right now, favorite Mm -hmm. artist to listen to? Oh, man. Well, okay, this is just like, this is very silly and kind of embarrassing. I used to love Death Cab for Cutie in high school a lot. And I recently made my boyfriend go see them at King's Theater. Oh, my God. And they're like in their like 40s. Like they're so old. But they had the new album out that... Sounds just like all their old songs. Yeah. (laughs) It's all the same. I don't know why that came to mind, but it just goes back to what we were talking about, about an artist or a piece of content that you loved when you were in these formative years. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm still probably going to, like, listen to Death Cab when I'm, like, 90 and be like... A thousand percent. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's, like, sad music makes me so happy. I love Mm -hmm. it so much. I do the same thing with The Shins. Mm, Yeah, The Shins. Oh, my God. I saw them at King's Theater alone last year. So cool. Such a, like, wonderful experience. So, it's, like, me and, like, a bunch of people in their mid-30s. Because that's when they yeah, were really popular. Yeah, totally. The Shins and, like, the Smiths. I have, like, a relationship totally. with like that. I love Girl Pool. Yeah. Um, I, I've seen them, like, twice. There's this band, Lord Huron, that mm-hmm. um, is also Midwestern. I didn't know um, Midwest. Yeah, the drummer. I know his sister well and, like, is from my hometown. Wow. Well, they're all from my, my hometown, actually. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. But... Yeah, there's those are I don't know why those are like the one I love. You love the XX was like very formative for me when I was in college. Mm. I've seen them a couple times. Yeah, yeah, I've not seen them, and I would like to. Yeah, they were like one of my favorite bands as well. Yeah. Okay, favorite book right now. Well, this book I'm reading, I've been reading a lot of nonfiction, like as an adult, like that's just where I've been been going mm-hmm. recently, and I want to read more fiction. But I'll say Kelsey Miller's book on, because it's just what I'm reading right now on Friends is so good. It's called I'll Be There For You, the one about Friends. And it's a retrospective about the TV show Friends in the 90s. And it's just 
fascinating and so well written and so great. I love her memoir too, which is called Big Girl. Cool. And this book I'm also reading right now called How to Not Always Be Working by Marley Grace. And that's interesting. It's so, 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 so good. Yeah. yeah. That sounds like a very relevant book to it is. being a 21st century, yes. like, especially like entrepreneur doing your thing, yes. making your own hours. That's interesting. Yeah. It's oh. very needed for me. Yeah. I and I think for everyone. It's not just for entrepreneurial people. It's really for, like, everyone. And yeah. Because we have a device where we kind of always be doing something or totally. responding to something in our pockets at yeah. all times. And so I think it's an important book. And That's she's just wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm going to look into that. Yeah. It just came out. Or it might not even be out yet. Cool. Yeah. Favorite film? Oh, well, I said Happy Thinking More, Please. So maybe I'll say something else. The before movies... I love so much. Yeah. Um, all three of them I really love. Serendipity, like I said. Skate Kitchen that I saw this summer. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I'll think of like 12 more that I'm not remembering right now. But <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. Text me. I'll, I'll say it. I'll add okay. it to the end. Okay, great. Favorite TV show? Ooh. Well, I watched this TV show this year called I Love Dick with Katherine Hahn. Mm. And I love her. I mentioned her from that movie that I saw recently. It's based off of this book called I Love Dick, and it's so good and funny yeah. and intense. And so I really liked that this year. I love Freaks and Geeks. Oh, yeah. A classic. Um, classic. I loved Fel- – did you ever watch Felicity? I feel like you should watch no. Felicity. She – it takes place in NYU, so it's very, like, oh, timely to where we it. are. Yeah, with Carrie Russell. I recently rewatched Dawson's Creek this summer with a friend of mine. Yeah. Which was lovely. Very cathartic. So, yes. I like a lot of TV shows. I like to always have something that feels cozy mm-hmm. and something that's like more of a think piece yeah. <laughs> of a show Yeah, at all times. Oh, my, my boyfriend got me into the show called Steven Universe. I usually do like that. Yeah. It's so good and it's, earnest and... Yeah. He's way further than I am in it because it's, it's, they're really short episodes and yeah. there's so many of them. But we started watching it in the spring and he loves it and it's so meaningful to him. And I usually don't like love animated things, kind of like how I feel about musicals, but oh. I love this and yeah. I love it so much. And yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's a truly just wonderful, wholesome show yeah. that like also addresses, addresses like really progressive yes. ideas. Yes. To such a young audience, I think so it's, good. Oh yeah, it's, it's amazing. So well written, and yeah. I love it so much. Totally. Yeah. Favorite podcast at the moment? Oh well, I mentioned Pop Rocket, which I really love. I I try to not listen to podcasts that are really similar to mine while I'm like in production of mine, which is like all the time. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, because I have a lot of friends who do similar podcasts to mine that I would l- probably love, but. Mm. I'll just say Fresh Air. Terry Gross is, like, kind of my hero. And I listen to most every episode that comes out that she does. And I just, I love Fresh Air so much. It's so comforting to me, like, hearing those words of, I'm Terry Gross and this is Fresh Air. (laughs) And, like, you know, I don't really listen to NPR now because I don't have a car or radio. But having, listening to a lot of NPR shows on my phone gives me that same, like, amount of comfort. Totally. No. NPR is... My favorite thing, like, yeah. ever invented. Yeah, yeah, and Terry yeah. Gross is especially... Cozy. Amazing, yeah. yeah I love um, What is your favorite spot in New York City? Ooh, okay. I almost... I hope not everyone goes here after this. But actually, it's already always it's okay. crowded. But do, have you ever been to the coffee shop Grounded in the West Village? No. 
it's like this little coffee shop, but it's great for working from and studying at. Mm -hmm. And it has like kind of like a bar where you could like stand or sit on a stool and um, they make the best almond milk chai latte in the city, I think. Really? And bold claim. Yeah, I know. Really I really fun. love it there. And it's so funny because it's like, it's where I go when I really need to like hunker down and get work done. Like I, totally. as you know, like I have a couple of co-working spaces I can go to, which is great. But I always find like I'll run into people I know and I get distracted and I like get off task. But if I go mm-hmm. to Grounded, like I kind of don't really see people I know necessarily. I might, but it's just, it's one of my favorite. The baristas I know there and I like them. And yeah. I just... I just like it. I, I, li- I like there. There's so many restaurants and bars that I love. Like I love, I'm thinking about this because I just remember I need to make a reservation for tomorrow. But I'm, yeah. um, I love the, the place Dimes in the Lower East Side and Canal yeah. Street. I love walking the bridges. That's probably one of my favorite things. Yeah. There's this place in Williamsburg that has vegan crepes called Little Chalk Apothecary. And okay. I love that. And then in my neighborhood, there's this place called Flower Power where you can buy herbs and teas and I love making infusions and going in there and yeah. everybody in there's really nice and they, everyone who works there is actually an herbalist so Whoa. they all are kind of witchy and look like Stevie <laughs> Nicks and it's it's lovely that's a dream yeah oh I have to go in there yeah um, oh and my my best friend's apartment she's lived in the East Village since the year I was born and she's like a second mom to me and yeah it's on second street I won't say more about where it is I guess but it's Cozy and probably my favorite spot Aww. in Manhattan. Yeah, that's really sweet too. And yeah. a great area for someone to have an apartment. Yeah. Finally, what is your favorite museum in New York? Do you have a favorite mm. museum in New York? Yeah, I love PS Two, PS One, PS Two. I always say it wrong. Whatever it is, it's in Long Island City. I've never been. Um, MoMA PS Two, PS One. I'll uh, find out. Research. <laughs> Uh, Let's ask our research department. Uh, PS1. PS1, PS1, yeah. I always say the wrong thing. I just had like a great experience going there for the first time. Yeah. So I love that. I love that museum um, because it just like feels cozy because the first time I went there was such a fun experience. Oh, my favorite museum in the city is the Rubin Museum. It's so wonderful. I go, they have these meditations every Wednesday and I go there with my friend Angie and we look at a piece of art and we meditate with this like group and it's usually like all retired people because it's in the middle of the day on a Wednesday (laughs) at noon but we can go because we have flexible schedules and it's something I've done literally like since I moved to the city and it's just like a non-negotiable thing and I just love going into that museum yeah what time is it at noon I will totally go to that. My class is yeah. at 1045. Yeah, she's a member. So there's like tickets for members and she gets two. And so she always brings me. Oh, and it's just so cool. like one of these things that like I weirdly started going to. And yeah, yeah, it's just it's a cool place. But go and take a tour. And they like they have a lovely cafe that yeah. like serves Indian food. And it's just a nice place. It's, a, it's in like Chelsea. It's like on 17th Street. Cool. West side. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's it for for it. this podcast. So thank you for doing this. This really, was so really much fun. It. Thank yeah. you for having me. It's fun to be on this side of things. That was my episode with Brianna. Her info on where to find her, her Instagram is in the show notes. Go over there and follow her and thank her. And 
Keep in touch with everything she does. She's one of the most stylish people I know, one of the sweetest people I know, and she's going to do big, big things. She already is. I love her so much. Okay, quick break, and I will be back with how to enter this month's giveaway and some other fun information like who's coming up on the show next week. So stick around. Again, this week's episode is brought to you in part by Cured Nutrition, a holistic supplement company based in Boulder, Colorado. And if you're into organic, hemp-derived CBD products, you probably already know them, but they make these full-spectrum tinctures and little bites and treats that work really well with your body's system to produce clear benefits without the worry of the psychoactive component. Plus, not many other companies can say that they're thriving with an in-house farm-to-table business model. CBD is most commonly incorporated into wellness regimens to improve sleep, decrease stress and inflammation. I love using CBD. The CEO of Cured actually started using the raw CBD oil to help with his puppy seizures. And now he realizes that it's something that can be used for people and pets and people of all ages. My favorite snack is their cookie dough snack. I love it so much. I really love all their products, honestly. And I got to meet them in Boulder and they were the most lovely people. And if you're worried about having to jump through any hoops to get their products, Cured Nutrition is actually really, really convenient. They ship their products to all 50 states and you can find my favorite products, like I said, the cookie dough and the CBD oil dropper. It tastes really good at curednutrition.com. The link's in the show notes and use the coupon code LETITOUT. That's LETITOUT for 15% off any order. And again, the link will be in the show notes and make sure you use the code let it out for 15% off your order. Thanks again so much for listening, you guys. If you're still listening right now, please leave a review on iTunes if you haven't already, or even if you have, you can leave another one. That would be so great. And share this episode with a friend and let me know what your pop culture resolutions are. Comment on my most recent Instagram. I'm at Katie Dalebo on Instagram. I would love to hang out with you there. Join the listener Facebook group and write, let's make a thread about our New Year's pop culture resolutions. I think that would be really fun. You guys are the best. Come hang out with me next week in New York. On the 21st, I will be back in New York to do the live podcast. I'll be here again. I'll be back. It'd be so great to see you. It's free and it's at the cozy assemblage. Very, very cozy. And wait till you guys meet Erin. Oh my God. She's so magnetic and cool and like, I really like her. So that's going to be fun. And then hopefully if you're going to be at the Good Fest, the pop-up they're doing on the 23rd, I'll see you there as well. I'm hosting. All right. Love you guys so much. Next week on the podcast, I have Marley Grace. She wrote this book I can't stop talking about called How to Not Always Be Working. She's from Michigan too. You'll hear way more about her next week. You'll love her. Trust me. We're also having a comedian on the week after another writer. There's just a lot of good people that are going to be on this podcast this month, next month. It's going to be great. All right. Before I go, I'm going to tell you the emoji, which is such a good emoji this week. I already thought of it. Thank goodness, because usually I procrastinate thinking of the emoji until I'm saying it. And then I'm thinking of something on the fly. 
but I actually have one this time. But first, I want to tell you about this month's giveaway. I'm going to be doing a giveaway every single month, I decided, right now. I did two in December and sent care packages to two listeners. And this month, I'm going to be sending a copy of one of my favorite books from last year, from 2018. It's called Text Me When You Get Home by Kayleen Schaefer. She was one of my guests last year. And if you haven't listened to that episode, please go back and listen to it. I think you would really like it. And enter the giveaway to receive her book, Text Me When You Get Home. It's hitting the shelves on paperback on February 5th. And it's a gorgeous new version that has a new afterword addressing the Me Too movement of 2018. And it also has a book club guide. So if you want to host a book club with it, you could do that. And yeah, I'm going to send a paperback to one of you. So to enter that, go to katiedelbutt.com slash giveaway katiedelbutt.com slash giveaway. The link is in the show notes and you can enter the giveaway, figure out how to do that. It's really simple. I can't wait for you guys to enter and read that. Go back and listen to that episode. If you liked this episode, you would probably also like a couple other episodes I've done on this podcast. So we talked a lot about rent in this episode and I interviewed my good friend now, but I was, this was our first conversation we ever had, but Danny Cornfield, he is an actor and he played Mark Cohen in the 20th anniversary Rent production, the national tour. And I interviewed him during that and he's wonderful. We gush about Rent and many other things. So I'll link to that episode. And oh, they're actually doing a Rent Live on Fox with Vanessa Hudgens, I think at the end of this month, which I'm dying to watch. But Anyway, just inside. Also, my episode with Josh Radner, if you haven't listened to that one yet, I'll link to that. I did that in 2016, and it's a favorite of mine and of so many people. And of course, my episode with Sasha Jones, she's been on the podcast several times. She interviewed me on my birthday this year. She actually interviews me every year on my birthday, but she is my second mom and my like, oh, she's just been so, I was going through a lot this week. I'm actually recording this in her apartment right now, but she's just one of my favorite people in the world. And if you liked this episode, that was very me focused. There's another one that's very me focused from a couple months ago. And Kelsey Miller, my friend and writer who wrote the retrospective on friends, she did the podcast a couple weeks ago. So I will link to that episode as well. All right. I love you guys so much. Thank you so much for listening. If you are still listening right now, all the way to the very bitter end, this long rambly outro, the emoji is the grandfather. So it's a kind of creepy emoji, but if you just type in grandpa or grandfather, a old person's head comes up. And I would like you to, in honor of my grandpa, Gus Ganakis, please tweet that at me. My grandpa actually has had a Twitter, had I don't know. He was 92 and he fucking died. So I don't know what's going to happen to his Twitter. Maybe I'll maybe I'll take it over. Who knows? But anyway, you could tweet it at him. But also comment it on, on my Instagram and just let me know. All right. Whatever you're going through, I hope you're doing okay this week. This week has been a lot for me. I'm trying to keep it together on this podcast because honestly, I've been crying most of the week. <laughs> but I love you guys and I'm doing my best and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.